Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 87. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 110, Matryoshka. Try it again. You try it. Matryoshka. Something like that. Something like that. We are bad with our Russian. We couldn't quite get the pronunciation. I had to go look it up somewhere else because I knew the word, but I'd never heard it pronounced before. And they don't actually say it in the episode. Nope. Nope. In case you're wondering, that's one of those Russian nesting dolls. But yeah, that's the name of the episode. But Cecil never says it. No, no, but nobody else says it either. Well, to start out, we got a little bit of the news for today for just the Night Vale crew. And they're going on a hiatus in July which is actually kind of good news for you and me because now this means we won't fall horribly behind when we head off to uh, San Diego Comic-Con and vacation after that. Seriously, usually I'm really disappointed when I hear we're going to have a hiatus, but I looked and we were only down by one episode and I'm like, oh, thank goodness. So (laughs) hiatus time, that's a first. I'm like, thank you. Welcome to Night Vale. We're really behind. Well, that and they're they're still bad at hiatuses because they had a bonus episode posted for uh, July 1st instead of nothing. Yes, exactly. I don't think they ever let a week go by without posting something, but this wasn't even a repeat that they posted this time. This was actually the bonus episode was a little 10 minute segment from their Seattle show of ghost stories, but we'll get into that later. This episode we're talking with Cecil. I I liked the opening proverb. I don't know what you usually call that, the intro, when he said, I once was lost, but now I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's awesome. So we start out with Steve Carlsberg, and he's talking Mm -hmm. about the arrows and the dotted lines in the sky. And he has it up on a drawing on a piece of poster board, and he wants people to look at it. No, they're not looking at it. No, he really wants people to look at it. Well, okay, he'll just go ahead and set it on an easel while he keeps talking. Cecil breaks in at this point and is talking about the five-headed dragons in town and says, did you know that a group of dragons is called a weir? And I'm like... I did know that. That's from reading Anne McCaffrey. Yes, and I wonder, because I tried to do a Google search under that, and the only references I found to Weir, spelled W-E-Y-R, is Anne McCaffrey. So she may have invented the term, but that's cool, because we were old-school Anne McCaffrey fans of her uh, Dragon Riders of Pern series. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, They also mentioned that a group of dragons is also called a flight or a thunder, and I'm like... Both are appropriate. Uh, But while he's telling us all this very interesting information, he's also relaying the fact that the five-headed dragons are currently still destroying the town. Yeah. They're just basically setting everything on fire. And Cecil took a moment to address the fact that a lot of people complained about last week's episode, which all of us remember as being uh, a story about Huntakar. And that was what everyone else was told the radio show was going to be. But all they heard was a lot of static and the distant sound of screaming. And he said, so we're very sorry. We know that there are dragons that are currently setting everything on fire and tearing the town apart. But yeah, sorry about last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> we had a really good t-shirt moment. I would love to see this as a Night Vale t-shirt when he was describing all this and telling us what was going on. And he broke in at one point to say, in related news, the city is on fire. <laughs> Just, I want to see that on a shirt. But he also says false realities are converging in Night Vale and people are running towards their their most pleasant options of a reality. And it's making things much, much worse. And I like the little things he was talking about here and there. Frances, who runs the antique store, she found a reality where antiques aren't sentient monsters. They're actually like inanimate objects. And that's the reality she went to. And I'm like, 
I I don't judge her for that one. I think I would run towards that reality as well. Yeah, yeah. Especially if working with antiques means you might get bitten and turned into an antique at some point. Yeah. But I think right. there was someone else who said he had a choice of two realities, like one where cars were entirely made out of cheese and another where executives at his level get paid an extra $2,000. So he wasn't sure which one of those he was going to choose. It's a tough choice. Yeah. And I could see that. But he also made the comment that all these realities are there, all these people are there, and they all occupy the same space. And I thought of China Mavel's The City in the City. Right, which is another, if you guys haven't read this yet, it's a little bit of a wade because it's a really difficult concept to get your brain around, but it's two cities that intersect but you're only allowed to acknowledge the existence of one city when you're in that city and if you want to acknowledge the existence of all these other people you have to actually leave your city and then re-enter the other one even though it's all in the same place right exactly and i hear the bbc may be making a tv show about that one that's gonna be tough that's gonna be tough to visualize i would think yeah yeah it's odd because in cecil's reality though people are literally layered on top of each other but in the city in the city you don't actually have people occupying the same space there's very careful rules for how you avoid walking into someone's area when you're not in their city it's it's very strange it is tough to recommend that one because it is a lot of work to get through it but i thought it was just a really fascinating concept apparently some execs thought so too if they're going to make a tv show about it but more about that later yeah but um so we go back to steve and steve apologizes for the choice of font for his little poster that he's got detailing all of the arrows and the dotted lines in the sky but he really liked the one that he uses because it looks like something you'd see in comic books and i'm looking over and i'm like Elizabeth oh, oh no <laughs> kill it with fire comic sans must die and i like what you said kevin you're like of course steve would use comic sans in his poster of i'm like he would. yeah that is that's true that's that's very true well he's talking to somebody delivering some kind of address whatever and he's he's talking about how hard he's tried throughout his life to get people to actually listen to what he has to say about the glowing arrows and the dotted lines in the sky. And people either joke with him, or they don't listen to him, or he talked to Mayor Cardinal, who said that, yeah, she'd do something about it, but he doesn't think she would. And he talked with Pamela Winchell when she was mayor, and she told him this really confusing story about some dude that lives in the sun. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a callback to something? I don't don't think so. That seems like a random bit of, you know, Pamela Winchell's never really been all there. But yeah, and said that based on the story that she told him, he's positive that they were talking about different things. I'm like, yeah, I think you guys were talking about different things. And he talked to, he he brought the information to Leanne Hart, who threw an axe at him. (laughs) (laughs) Leanne, she throws axe at bloggers normally, but I'm sure she'd make an exception for Steve. But I like how at one point he said, you know, he was talking to his brother-in-law Cecil, and they said, I talked to my other brother-in-law, who's a scientist. I'm like, oh, I just, I like that he called Carlos his other brother-in-law. That's sweet. Carlos was, of course, totally unhelpful. He said he got really excited about talking about space and he ran off laughing. (laughs) Cecil breaks in and the trial about the estate of old woman Josie has been postponed indefinitely because City Hall's overrun by dragons. Yeah. And um, Alondra Ortiz, old woman Josie's daughter, is still claiming that without an actual will, the estate needs to pass to the next of kin. The angels are claiming that they have part ownership 
relationship. And they've actually got, I think, a very good claim this time because they took care of old woman Josie for so many years. They built the opera house. Everything that she owned, they've been kind of administering to this entire time. So really the main reason why they can't claim ownership legally is because legally they still don't exist. Right. And that's why there is actually a trial going on today. I didn't know this was scheduled. There's a trial going on to determine the existence of angels and whether or not they legally exist. And so we're going to come back to that later. But Steve, just at this next part, he actually, he gets overwrought. He is so passionate about this. And he actually flat out says, angels exist. I know, I hear the angel acknowledgement siren, but they absolutely exist. And he describes them, and I love how he says, they glow bright black and sound like French horns. And I'm like, oh, of course they do. Yeah, and he he talked about the fact that they have several arms and wings. And like, I I think fan art has a lot of times given them several arms, but has that ever been canon? I don't know. That's what I was wondering too. I mean, now I'm going to have to go back to all the actual descriptions in the show of angels because what he described in this was exactly like my favorite fan art of Night Vale Angels. Just tall and glowing black and wings and arms and eyes and just you add that sound of a friend horn in there. I'm like, yes, yes, all the things. Yes, the only thing it was missing from the fan art representations was a light bulb in there somewhere. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. But he really got, just sounded very, just upset and very passionate about it. And we go back to Cecil and Cecil says that the dragons have stopped rampaging and they're out at the edge of town, just silent and staring and there, there really isn't any peace in the town. I mean, the town is full of people, but they're not really here. There's just layers and layers of reality. It's a really spooky moment. Yeah, and the last remnants of the sky uh, have disappeared. And it's now just that gaping hole with blackness pouring out of it. And Cecil talks about the fact that his brother came to his house again last night. And Cecil doesn't have a brother. Cecil even says that, and I don't have a brother. And Cecil's brother, his teeth and his hair have almost completely gone. And he can't even walk. He's crawling. And he just keeps saying over and over again, the bomb, the bomb. And we're like, ah, oh, radiation poisoning. That was what was exactly. causing it. Uh, the whole time that last week when we had... To talk about his brother and everything, I guess I assumed chemotherapy because his hair was falling out and his teeth were falling out. I don't know why he never made a connection to the terrible events of 1983. I think it's 1983, something like that. Oh, hang on, I've got notes here. Let me. Yeah, November seventh, 1983. Night. Uh, I. That's obviously that was the Armageddon that happened. The, I don't know the test that people didn't realize was a test and bombs actually fell. So he's dying of radiation poisoning. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. But Cecil says we've broken. Night Vale. He actually says that, that everything is coming to an end. And he says goodbye. He says this is, I mean, this is it, just for the very last time. Goodbye, Night Vale. Goodbye. And Elizabeth and I are both looking at each other going, there's 20 minutes left in the episode. (laughs) And then Cecil's voice breaks in. Hang on. I just thought of something. (laughs) While I figured this out, 
we should listen to the weather. So we go to the weather. Because <laughs> we were expecting something. I was expecting something that was going to make me jump. But yeah, that's just enough. I mean, it didn't even occur to me we hadn't heard the weather yet. I was just wondering nope. if we were going to get a preview of some new property by the Night Vale people. Nope, we got the weather. It was Everyone I Know Will Die by Aaron Lovett. I don't believe that's related to Lyle Lovett, but that's based off of 30 seconds worth of Googling. But yeah, it's a very folksy song, but they're just talking about the fact that, yep, everybody that you know will die. So it's a little... <laughs> Very appropriate for Night Vale. Yeah, extremely. But we come back and it's Steve talking again. And he's saying how we have to pay attention to our reality. We have to acknowledge our reality. And the angels are a first step. And he talked about when he talked with Cecil, his you mentioned talking with his brother-in-law, about this problem. And Cecil did what he usually does is that he made a joke or he dismissed him. And Steve finally told Cecil, stop that. And he actually confronted Cecil about this, this constant meanness and the mean spirited jokes and everything. And it sounds like they had a real heart to heart, Cecil and Steve. And Cecil talked about the fact that he had a very difficult relationship with his family when he's growing up very adversarial with his sister, and that it's really, really hard for him now to let anyone get close. But they actually, they hugged. <laughs> it's like, oh, because I mean, Steve has been like on Cecil's last nerve from the moment the character was introduced. And now yep. I think they're kind of finally dealing with it. Yeah. And Cecil does talk about this a little later at the end of the episode. But I liked what Steve said at one point. He's talking about, we just have to deal with the reality the way it is and by acknowledging all of our existences it's just it was it was a really nice moment but we had another t-shirt moment where he said perfection doesn't exist all we can hope for is better and i'm like oh <laughs> i like that but they did have another neat. thing when you got back to Cecil at one point, and he mentioned about his relationship with Steve and how yeah. he didn't start getting close to his sister until their mother died. And then he did get close with her and he was helping her with her daughter who had spina bifida. And I think that's the first time that we found out yep. what was the, the problem, you know, the, the reason for a Janice needing to be in a wheelchair. And I looked it up and um, that's a pretty big deal, spina bifida. I mean, it's one of those, it's when the spinal cord doesn't fully form around the nerves in the, uh, the bones don't fully form around the nerves. And it's one of those oh, things wow. that could have no effect whatsoever. Or your spinal cord nerves could start pushing out through the skin and you could have <sighs> spinal fluid leaking into the brain. So yeah, it was tough. And Cecil was having to try to help his sister, try to give her financial support for what must have been some pretty incredibly expensive medical procedures. And then Steve shows up and Steve is taking care of his sister and his niece now. And there is all that relief mixed with resentment that goes with something like that. So that would yep. explain a lot of the reason why he was his first impulse was to try to push Steve away. It's just as hard as he could. And he even says at one point, he says he is a good father, and I love him for that. And <laughs> like, an interesting thing. So Cecil couldn't attend the hearing. That's what was going on with Steve talking to the audience. He was talking to the hearing about acknowledging the existence of angels. And Cecil really wanted to be there, but he couldn't because he was on the show. So Steve has never really 
technically acknowledge the existence of angels. He knows that they're there, but he didn't want to stir up any trouble. But Cecil talked to him about how important it was, and Steve really listened to him about the angels and listened to all the things that Cecil had to say. And Steve went to the hearing and spoke for Cecil. So all of the things we heard about how passionately Steve was talking about the existence of angels, he was really speaking for Cecil. Which is a just wonderful amazing. reaching out moment on both of their parts. Oh, it was it was just great. So Cecil, he even says that he thinks that Steve's arrows and lines in the sky might be correct, you know, and talks about how everyone is basically like those Russian nesting dolls, which is how we get the title of the episode. Right. Just we're layers upon layers, and we don't really know exactly which part of us is really us. You know, there's so much to us, and we have this need to, like, figure out which part is right, but it's like we're nesting dolls that have been broken open and strewed all over the room. And we get the final reveal about what happens at the hearing for the angels. And the decision has been made to allow Night Vale citizens to acknowledge the existence of angels. And both of us are sitting here. Yay! <laughs> so awesome. I like how they said that the angels celebrated with poorly aimed high fives. I'm like, oh, the angels are awkward. They are. Like the angels in a lot of ways seem like great big goofs. They really are. I like them. But now they're legal. So, and upon the ruling part of the sky actually came back and suddenly Hiram McDaniels reappeared he's been Ugh. trying to cope with the loss of his violet head but he has finally decided that the destruction of Nightvale by the other dragons is not the way forward and he even talks yeah. with Mayor Cardinal and Mayor Cardinal apologizes she did say that she was just it was a really horrifying experience to be targeted for death by a five-headed dragon but the execution of Violet was the wrong decision. And Hiram told the dragons, we cannot find forgiveness in relentlessness, which is pretty powerful little phrase right there. Right. So he actually got the dragons to leave and go back to their reality. And more of the sky reappeared. And so that kept on happening. The librarians came back and the city council returned and they all looked at each other. The people of Night Vale was like, most towns aren't ruled by monsters. That's probably not normal. And more of the sky came back. <laughs> and it just more and more, and things are getting patched up. And it sounds like I still don't know what's going on with the whole hunter car thing and the breaking of reality is. And I'm not sure if there's still a night veil that's cut off from everybody or if there's if they've both melded into one reality at this point, but it sounds like if things haven't completely mended, then they are in fact on the mend. And Josie's daughter, Alondra, is going to change her interpretation of the estate, I guess the will or whatever, and she really only wants personal items and heirlooms. So she's not going to ask for all the things that Josie owned that the angels had been taking care of for a really long time. So things are kind of settled down in Nightville. I like how Cecil said, you know, our reality is still badly damaged, but it's held together by our acknowledgement of our strange town. Angels exist, and our town is deeply weird, and Steve is right. <laughs> it's just <laughs> awesome. 
So wonderful way to wrap up the episode and wonderful way to wrap up the story before the hiatus for July. But yeah, I was wondering, is this the actual five-year anniversary episode? Because they were talking about how this is, you know, five years of Night Vale. It's episode 110. And the 21st was the five-year anniversary party. So I think that's, we got like a 35-minute episode from them just a, a celebration of five whole freaking years. Wow. I can't believe it's been that long. Five it's years crazy. of weirdness. So cool. So then we had, and we're not going to really recap this. We're just going to tell you about it. We had the bonus episode, which was a little 10-minute recording, and it's the tragic story of Louis Blasco. And if you're not familiar with Louis Blasco, he's basically the guy in Night Vale. He had owned the music shop, but the music shop burned down and he disappeared mysteriously. But there's still like weird music lessons that go on if you go out into the middle of the night or look into mirrors or whatever. Just very strange music lessons that also involve handing over money on complete and total faith. But Jason Webley does a lot of the weathers, and I've actually seen him perform. You've seen him perform live, too, haven't you? I think so, yeah, Yeah. at one of the live shows that I've been to. And as near as I can figure, in the Seattle show, they have asked Jason Webley before to actually be Louis Blasco. So in this show, he did... And for the most part, nobody who was acting in the Nightville show had really any idea of what he was going to do. Yep, they gave him a rough outline ahead of time for what the song that he was going to do would be. And then they just let him go at it. And then he gets up on stage and he performs it. And it was fantastic. And I just, I kept imagining the startled and confused looks on Cecil's face when he's doing all this stuff. (laughs) It's just really, really good. And it it rhymes. You know, it's a song and it's a story and it's a ghost story and it's creepy and cool. And it's just, I, you know, I've been a little hit or miss on some Jason Webley songs. Some I like and some I don't. I really liked this one. (laughs) So it's, really it's, good. it's on Pod Bay. It's on the website. Definitely go listen to it. The bonus episode, The Tragic Story of Louis Blasco. And it was a one-off. I think they only did it yep. at this one show. I saw one person on Pod Bay commented and said, they were there. I had no idea this was a one-off. And I'm so glad I was there. Oh, it's just, it's really, it's very fun. And it's another thing, like, if you've never listened to Night Vale before, I think you can listen to this and not have any history at all and still find it pretty damn creepy. <laughs> But that's it. That's all for Welcome to Night Vale for the week. And we are officially caught up with Night Vale. And by next week, we'll be officially caught up with Alice Isn't Dead. Yay! So, anything else going on in the nerdosphere that you need to talk about this week? Uh, Nathan and I watched another episode of the new Twin Peaks series. And I remembered what it was that had caused me to say, this reminds me of Night Vale. It's every episode wraps up with, for whatever reason, they'll be at the Roadhouse. You remember the Roadhouse from the original series? They've had a different band doing the music every time. And I've loved the song every single time. And it really, honest to God, reminds me of Night Vale weather. That's awesome. So definitely check that out. So David Lennonhawk, who has written some reviews for the site and is Catherine and Nathan's friend in North Carolina. I haven't met him in person, but I've talked to him on Facebook a few times. But he had posted this picture that he had done and it says cardboard command strips faux satin sheeps and funkos and i made my own red room and he actually put it up on twitter 
And Kyle McLaughlin actually retweeted the picture. <laughs> so congrats to David. That is actually all kinds of awesome. Yeah, it really is. That, we're going to have to feature that on the next uh, Fan Art Friday, I think, because oh, that counts. God, yes. Yeah. So if you want to go and look at what he had posted, his Twitter address, I don't exactly know what it means, but I'm going to spell it. It's Hugsy Oop. So it's H U G G S Y O O T P. Not sure what that refers to. You'll <laughs> have to, have to ask, ask David yeah. Lucy. Yeah, exactly. That's, I thought that was very awesome. The only thing for me is that I've watched several more episodes of Peaky Blinders, and I've really, I'm into the second season of Peaky Blinders, and boy, it sure gets violent in places, but it's really fun boy, to watch. Boy, how. And it's, it's sometimes hard to understand what they're saying with those accents, but I love hearing them say it. Oh, it really is nice. And. Wait, uh, Killian Murphy? Killian Murphy, yeah. It's not Cillian Murphy? I always want to say Cillian. I don't know. I thought it was Killian, but... Uh. All right, we'll have to look that up. Sorry, Killian, Cillian, sorry. We're bad with names, but yeah. We've said before that he has a Benedict Cumberbatch thing going on where sometimes he looks attractive and sometimes he looks like an alien. I think he falls more on the attractive side, though. He's a good-looking He does. He does the dead-eyed stare very sexily for some reason. I have watched another episode of House of Cards, so I'm now two into the season. How many episodes are there per season? I can't remember. Thirteen, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's... um. All right, let me let mini discussion here. Um, the first lady's lover, Tom, right? Yes. Okay. Have you ever bought that character, or he was being shoehorned into the story? Because I just don't. Well, I bought it before, but this season I don't. Okay. But we will definitely have more of a conversation. I am almost at the season finale. Mm-hmm. And you and I will just have to have a discussion when we get into the same place. Okay. So, because I don't want to give anything away. Okay. But that'll wrap us up for the week. Make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the reviews, all of the previews, all of the podcasts, and all of the fun stuff. As of time of this recording, we are two weeks and a day. As of time this episode drops, a day less than two weeks because time, time is, is weird. weird. We are that far away from Comic Con. So, we are getting geared up. <sighs> Getting the cosplay ready. Yes, yes. Oh, boy. This will be fun, I think. I hope. Yeah, I I hope so, too. And also getting the art displays ready. So uh, we've we've almost got that ready. The art show is going to be in a different location this year. Before, it was upstairs in the sales pavilion off to the side. This year, it's going to be in the Manchester Grand Hyatt Grand Hall C&D on the first floor right behind the hotel registration desk. Yes, I am reading aloud from the email we got sent from the organizer. Comic-Con was basically told to free up more space for other things and the art show got moved the art show didn't decide to so the bad news is it won't be on comic-con proper the good news is it's going to be open to the public so if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have a ticket to comic-con but you happen to be in san diego come to the manchester grand hyatt and buy all the things yes please or at least look at all the things we'd love it if you'd look at yes. the things yes take a business card we've got lots other than that so next week we will recap alice isn't dead and hopefully get caught up with that so uh, and probably talk about other things in the Nerdosphere. So we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Cat, sorry, the cat distracted me. She's about ready to walk by the microphone. Get away, go, <laughs> go. Why, why now? Why now? Dum da deep dub. Hua hua. Dum da deep dub. Hua hua.